Hello, 10 percenters, and welcome to the Occupy Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smiley, and every week I'm going to look at the amazing things that wrestlers, promotions, and fans are doing in this crazy world we call professional wrestling. This is the first episode of Occupy Pro Wrestling, a pilot of sorts, and a taste of what this show is all about. Since I started the Occupy Pro Wrestling website back in 2012, I've had the opportunity to make some great friends in wrestling and to partner up with some great people that are doing some wonderful stuff. In future episodes, I'm going to use this time to talk about the latest news from them. But for this episode, I thought it'd be appropriate to give you a little bit of introduction to who they are and what they're doing. 80s Mania Wrestling is a wrestling RPG app for iOS and Android that takes you back to the glory days of pro wrestling. You get to be the promoter deciding how to best book a fed in the 80s and use some interesting characters to make your fed a success. I've had a lot of fun playing this game trying to make double champions out of the likes of Starboy and the Piranha as much as possible. Be sure to check all this out at 80smaniawrestling.com and be on the lookout for their new card game through Filsinger Games. The only thing better than a scary movie is a scary movie about women wrestling for a shot at a reality TV show. That's right, I'm talking about the Boom Boom Girls of Wrestling. I got to check this film out last summer and it was a lot of fun. I'm going to give it a review of it next week, but if you want to check it out for yourself, go to theboomboomgirls.com to find out more. Chances are you know him as the Hot Tub Review Guy, but Deshaun's Two Cents is so much more than that. Check out his YouTube channel for some great interviews with wrestlers in the SoCal scene and beyond, and some great reviews of past shows both in and out of the hot tub. Here's a little clip to give you an idea of what Sean does. Let's start with uh, C4. I need ketchup on that. I'm going to buy a lot of C4, I promise you guys. But how is wrestling C4, man? C4 wrestling? C4 wrestling is actually my hometown. So uh, it's like my home federation. It's been my home federation for eight years, Uh, especially in the last three years when I couldn't enter America. So it's been really my home. I'm very proud of what they've come through. Like we, we started with 80 people around a six-sided shitty ring, and now we're like in a 400-packed building. That place is packed, people. It's like it's so packed. There are two places in Canada I recommend: C4 Wrestling and Smash Wrestling. And both places are essentially uh, Canada's version of PWG. The Indie Corner is a great site run by my buddy Stu, featuring interviews, articles, and more covering the world of indie wrestling in the United Kingdom and beyond. Be sure to check them out at theindiecorner.com. On the MFX podcast, my friends Duckman and Sir Ian Trumps talk about a variety of subjects, including wrestling, politics, sports, and much more with an emphasis on comedy. Featuring a great weekly feature called Try Hard Ruler of the Week, MFX is loads of fun for everyone, so be sure to check them out at mfxpodcast.com. Here's a clip to give you a little idea of what these guys are all about. Your fart is a son-in-law, but your heart is a real son. <laughs> I love you, Paul Pal. <laughs> you start calling yourself Shane. No, shame. Yeah, I want you to call yourself Shane. shame. shame I want you to call McMahon. yourself Shame-O-Mac. Shame McMahon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't love you. I've never loved you. <laughs> no, I, mean, I love in, you. Instead of the Californian Raisins, I want you to have a band called the Bean Street Posse. I love you, Shame. I love you, Shame. You're the son I never wanted. (laughs) Single Leg Takedown features articles, editorials, reviews, predictions league, and more, with plenty of content coming in all the time. Be sure to check them out at sltdwrestling.com. 
WrestleView has been my go-to resource for wrestling news, recaps, and reviews since I first really got into wrestling around 2002. I've had the honor of writing recaps and reviews for SmackDown for the site since October, and I greatly appreciate the work Adam and the crew put into it. Be sure to check them out at WrestleView.com. The Wrestling Mayhem Show has been talking about WWE, TNA, and much more for 10 years and still going strong. Sorgatron and the Mayhem crew make it a habit to talk shop about the goings-on in professional wrestling. Featuring such segments as the big question and a thought experiment in progress called Mayhem Mania, WMS began a spin-off show a couple years ago called the Indie Mayhem Show to focus in on indie wrestling discussion and interviews with big names and upcoming stars. You can check all that out and much more at WrestlingMayhemShow.com. Here are some clips from some of the shows that the Wrestling Mayhem crew do on a weekly basis. Uh, so let's get into the big question with our boy, uh, The Riz. Putting down the video games for a moment so he can tell us what the big question is. My question to you guys is, what was one of your f- memories or matches that you can recall was one of the bloodiest matches you've seen? A barbed wire match that Terry Funk and Sabu had, and... It's kind of extra legendary because if you watch the old ECW television show, they would run the, the basically the promo to order the VHS tape of this match a every single episode. And it would mm-hmm. just be the Phantom of the Opera song and Sabu being thrown into the barbed wire in slow motion. What uh, what do you think about the state of, of women's wrestling when you're coming into it? Were you concerned about kind of finding spots to work or uh, what were kind of your thoughts at that point coming into the business i was really concerned i was like well how am i ever going to get better if i don't ever get to wrestle uh so eventually it came up to the point where i was like am i going to stay here at ovw or am i going to go somewhere else and try to train somewhere else and that's when me and dylan made the decision to move to pittsburgh which is where i'm from now that i've told you about my friends let me tell you a little bit about myself I've been a fan of wrestling since around late 2000. I might have seen little bits and pieces of it before then, but I watched my first pay-per-view in December of that year with some friends as we enjoyed the six-man Hell in a Cell main event of Armageddon. From there I got to enjoy Royal Rumble 2001 featuring my favorite comedian of all time, Drew Carey, being scared out of his wits by Kane, and WrestleMania X7 featuring the shocking heel turn and what many consider to be the end of the Attitude Era by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Unlike many fans who'd watched this stuff longer than I had, I actually enjoyed the invasion angle at face value. I had no idea that the WCW and ECW guys were being given the short end of that feud. I only saw some great matches and promos being done by everyone involved. Ever since, I've been fascinated by the stories pro wrestling can tell in and out of the ring. Fast forward the tape to 2008, when I picked up a copy of PWG Sells Out Volume 1 from Best Buy of all places, after seeing the likes of CM Punk, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe on the front cover. This was my first taste of indie wrestling, and I've had the chance to see some great stuff from my local promotion over the years, as well as some action from ROH, Chikara, and more. In addition to wrestling, I'm a big fan of just about anything related to technology. I was raised on Macs early on, but love working with all sorts of gadgets. I'm a WordPress enthusiast, and I graduated in 2013 with a bachelor's in graphic design. I love listening to podcasts, which is why I like talking about the great ones I get a chance to listen to. From WMS and MFX to Cult Cabana's Art of Wrestling and the Steve Austin podcast, 
I am generally drawn to anything that tells great stories. As you can tell, that's a big theme in my love for wrestling and everything else. Stories. We all have stories, and I want to get to hear yours. That's why one of the things I'm planning for future episodes is to interview people. I've made quite a few friends over the years and met some great people through my love for wrestling. Some are fellow fans, others are involved in the business in some way, and I want to open that door to anyone that wants to talk about their love for pro wrestling. There are many things to love about pro wrestling, from the shows that happen within a few miles of your home, to the big sold-out events and stadiums all over the world. There's also a lot of wrestling-related media, and every week I'm going to talk about some of the great stuff you can find out there. This week I'm kicking things off by talking about a very interesting podcast that just started up that tells the unique stories you can only find in pro wrestling. Colt Cabana, the podcast pioneer of pro wrestling, takes a look at amazing, heartbreaking, and generally interesting stories from the business. As of this recording, there are three episodes available on HAL Premium. A Giant Expectation, Black and White, and Handpicked, the latter of which is offered as a preview of the series via Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast. A Giant Expectation is a brief look at the career of the man that many old-school WWF fans know as Giant Gonzalez. Black and White takes a look at the story of Sputnik Monroe, whose support of desegregation in the 1950s Memphis helped pave the way for professional sports as a whole. And in Handpicked, what happens when the obvious choice for the guy doesn't pan out quite the way you expect? This story on Tom McGee talks about that very scenario. This is a very cool concept for a podcast, because telling stories like the three featured here is great, not only for hardcore fans to learn more about new topics and people, but as a tool to introduce pro wrestling to casual fans or even those not familiar with the art of wrestling, pun intended. In addition to hearing some great stories, Colt Cabana has some excellent conversations with guys like Rob Naylor, David Bixen's band, and Dave Meltzer to discuss the stories and people involved. I highly recommend checking this series out, and if you get a chance, be sure to check out all the great shows available on HAL. Colt Cabana has an audio documentary on the gathering of the Juggalos that I'll be checking out in the near future. And I think that's what I love most about the podcast that Colt Cabana does, are the opportunities to hear these stories. Because stories is very much something that I'm into when it comes to pro wrestling. Whether it's the stories of the classic feuds over the years, the stories that can be told in the ring, or even the stories that we share with each other as wrestling fans. So when I started coming up with ideas for this podcast, I knew that the centerpiece would have to be these kinds of conversations. Whether it's with fans, possibly with wrestlers, promoters, etc., just to kind of hear what they love about wrestling and why. This week I had the chance to speak with a good friend of mine that I met through wrestling. We first met around 2013 through our mutual love for Chikara Pro, and as many of you might remember, 2013 was a very chaotic year for the company. This chaos presented a very unique opportunity for my friend, who founded the Chikara in 15 Minutes podcast and later on chatting with the Chikarmi. Many of you know her formerly, as Jakara's intrepid reporter, but she is known quite simply as Babs. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Smiley. I'm here with my my good buddy Babs. Oh. Uh, Babs, it's it's great to be talking to you again. I remember the last time we had a conversation on Skype was uh, when you were running chatting with the Jakarmi. So it's actually kind of nice to have the roles reversed a little bit here. How are you doing, Babs? 
I'm doing great. Thank you very much for, I want to say thank you very much for having me on. Um, it is a little bit of a reversal, so this is kind of interesting. So um, I definitely was looking forward to this, and I'm, I'm really glad that she asked me to do it. So thank you, Alex, for having me on. So, so first question I have uh, <laughs> is, what got you into wrestling, whether that's like your first memory of, watch, of watching wrestling or just in general? Um, actually, um, my first memory is, um, and I've talked a little bit about it before, uh, is definitely what got me linked was uh, SummerSlam 1992. Uh, the main event was the British Bulldogs versus Brett Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. And I think what really, uh, attracted me to it or really got me hooked was one, um, the spectacle of it. I mean, that was like an 80,000 seat arena in Webley Stadium. Um, so the pageantry was kind of nice, the production. Um, but I think too is the story. Um, the storytelling that was going on. Um, almost every match, um, had some really great storytelling going on, but that Intercontinental Championship match. You know, the tension between the brother-in-laws, you know, Diana was there, the British Bulldog's wife was there. Um, so there was a lot of family trauma and tension. Um, it just had a really great story and it was very much drew you in and captivated you. So you had this really great match, which was, it was a really good match between these two. Um, and what was great about that was there was also the story between the power of the British Bulldog versus the technical steel of the hitman who was really starting to rise to prominence and, and make his way toward the championship. Um, you know, and so it was just a great story, a lot of emotion. And so was that emotion, too. It just kind of stuck with me um, and kind of grabbed my interest. Nice. It's funny you mentioned uh, storytelling because I, I know you and I kind of share the same love of, of storytelling within mm -hmm. wrestling. So and I guess that kind of kind of leads me to the next question kind of mm -hmm. regarding your uh, writing, uh, your your blogs and, and what have you. Give us an idea of what uh, kind of got you writing about wrestling and anything else in general. Um, wow. Writing about wrestling. Um, you know, I, I was always interested in writing and I was always doing it. Um, I did uh, always consider myself a better nonfiction writer than a fiction writer. Um, although I've, my fiction writing skills have gotten uh, much better, um, over the years. Uh, and, and I've written about wrestling before. Like, uh, when I was in school, uh, we had to write, I was in 11th grade and we were studying Chaucer and in the Canterbury Tales, he does character sketches. Uh, and I did a whole set of them for wrestlers. So various wrestlers. And it was like a little book. Uh, and I think I have it still actually set away. So I made like a little book and, and I wrote all these character sketches that were based on all these wrestlers. Um, so I know a little silly, but it was a lot of fun. It was really neat to do. And it, it was really, and I got an A on it. So obviously the teacher liked it a lot too. Um, so wrestling kind of has played into different things. And when I went to college, I think I even wrote a paper about wrestling, um, about the attitude era actually. Um, for a communications class. Um, but, um, as far as, as writing about wrestling itself, um, I think I was really inspired by Chikara and, and some of the storytelling things I was seeing, um, and, and the character development and, and different things. So I started writing about things I found were interesting. Um, I studied psychology, uh, and sociology, um, in school. It's kind of like a interest, you know, kind of like a second interest, um, not like for a degree or anything. Um, so, you know, I just kind of started thinking about things and, and reading and looking at them and started writing it. So everything, anything I was inspired by. Um, so that's kind of how I started writing about like Chikara and things like that and writing about wrestling. Nice. Nice. Um, speaking of Chikara, what, mm -hmm. what, so when did you first start getting into like, I, cause I, I we had this conversation before, but like mm -hmm. what, how did you find out about Chikara then and like getting involved with like writing about that? Um, well, uh, actually back in, uh, 2009, uh, a friend of mine, um, who had been watching indie wrestling for years, uh, was a fan of Chikara 
uh, and he's actually was from Connecticut, uh, and they were going to be down here for Young Lions Cup night three in 2009. Um, and he had finally had convinced me to come see Jakarta because he kind of wanted me to see it before and it just never worked out and he wasn't in the area and whatever. So it just happened to be a great thing where he's like, Oh, we'll come, we'll hang out. You know, I think you're really going to like this. He didn't tell me anything else about it though. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea what I was walking into. And I will admit to myself being really disappointed, really disappointed in myself because I wish I would have known more because I think I would have appreciated what I saw. Because it was night three of the Alliance Cup, so there was stuff that happened, like, for example, like, the Sea Donsters broke up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I really, when I rewatch it on DVD, I'm like, man, you know, I wish I really appreciated that more in person, you know? Um, especially with Hydra being involved, I just really wish I would have appreciated that more. Um, also, to the, the Golden Dream Triangle Trios match was, like, amazing. Um, I feel like, you know, so I kind of wish I had more of a better perspective. I wish he would have told me something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, uh, he went away. He actually moved away. Um, so he couldn't go to any more shows with me, but I did continue to go to shows and it took me probably about a year and a half until I felt comfortable actually that I really understood what was going on and, and understood the characters and, and everything that was happening where I felt like I had a really good background. So it took me about a year and a half. Um, uh, so I really understood, um, like new fans and stuff. Like when I was doing the podcast and things, I understood kind of what they felt in terms of being overwhelmed and, and you know, not sure where to start and what was going on and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it took me about a year and a half, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but then, like I said, I really like started getting inspired. And as I, I learned more and I had more of a backstory and a, and a, a background, uh, and I could talk and I felt like I could talk comfortably about storylines and things is when I started seeing the deeper side of it. I think with Chikara, um, you can watch it as deep or as shallow as you want to. Uh, as the type of wrestling fan you are, which is one of the one of the great things about it. Um, and I tend to go run deep. It's just me. I, I tend to look for those sort of things. So it gave me a lot to write about, a lot to be inspired by. So that's kind of how I started writing about it. Um, and some of the pieces I wrote were really, really, very uh, psychologically based. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I wrote about Archibald Peck's character evolution, looking at it through the lens of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, which I still, which I still believe it was actually completely wonderfully brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah. not to toot my own horn a little bit. Um, in terms of, but it really was amazing what he was doing, what Archibald Peck was doing and the way his character developed was absolutely amazing. Um, I talked a little bit about uh, Jigsaw and self image. Mm-hmm. Um, because he kind of got really weird. There was a few blogs and things where he was talking about how like people viewed him and, and based on his relationship with Quack. Uh, and then versus how he viewed himself and how other people were viewing him. So it was kind of interesting. Um, and then I wrote a lot about, um, Tim Donst and Jakob Haramar and what they were doing and their relationship at the time, which was very, very abusive. Yeah. Um, and, and literally how very, um, much it was true to life. It's kind of how abuse works and whatnot. And I, I never finished it. There was really going to be one more. And I really one day wanted to sit down and write it. I was going to write about the ending of it. Mm-hmm. where Donst gets kind of left behind and, and he leaves. And, and I was going to write about the ending of that, that, that line, but also to what happened to Jakob Hammer and what he's become because of that. Yeah. Um, and the person he's turned into. Um, so I wanted to do that. Maybe I'll finish it. I don't know. But um, I was really proud of that series and the way that it came out. Um, I was very happy with it. Um, so that was kind of it. Like, you know, again, I just wrote what I was inspired about and what I saw and was interesting to me. And um, it was very inspiring. It was a lot to be inspired by. So it was really great. Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, I, I I remember reading quite a few of those, especially um, as you kind of started diving more into like the kind of some of the angles going around during the, the shutdown angle. Those yeah. were a lot of fun. I actually just finished rereading uh, Who Watches the 
uh, I think it was Jafar who watches The Watchmen or something like that. Yeah. And that was actually, I, I, it, you know, very interesting theories and, you know, very good to kind of really think about, kind of dive into what was going on. Yeah. Um, I, everyone had a theory about what was going on at the time. And, and so, um, that was my theory. And actually, my theory ended up making it into that big document. I never got credited. I was so mad. <laughs> uh, so mad. And I think I ended up being right, actually. And like, I think my, my logic was weird and off, but I actually ended up being right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> which was it's, terrible because I, th- I said it was quack and I think I, I ended up being right. And I was like, man, I think I'm right. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Um, and I had no idea. Like, I was not part of Chikar at the time, so I was not privy to anything. So everything that I wrote was just what I saw based on storylines and, and things like that, my opinions and what I had seen all over social media and things like that. So I was not part of Chikar at the time at yeah, all. Yeah. I was not officially part of Chikar during season 13. Not mm-hmm. officially. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, it's, it a lot of people feels, thought I was, but I wasn't. Yeah. It still feels weird to call it season 13 because it's just like, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they did kind of put that label on it because it was very hard to figure out what else to call it. We just we all just called it the shutdown angle. We still call it the shutdown angle, but they officially call it season thirteen. Yeah, which is funny because on the Jakara Pro like events page, there's literally just the movie Ashes of Jakara. Well, that was what was, on there. that was what was going on at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of things were happening. You know, um, so yeah, uh, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot going on though. There were um, a lot of individual stories, and what what makes me sad is that I didn't get those. Some of those didn't get, I think, more attention than they did. Yeah. Um. Because I thought there were really great stories in there, and there were some nice cameos too in that movie that I was really excited about, like really crossbones. That was so exciting. <laughs> uh, and, sh- and then and then the credits, like Shane Hawk is credited. You know, that was really exciting <laughs> yeah. for me. I love Shane Hawk. Um, I'm a big fan of Shane Hawk, so it was really exciting. Um, so it, you know, um, but I really liked the shutdown angle. Um, I know not a lot of people do, but I think it was a really interesting and very gutsy experiment. Um, probably the most gutsy experiment probably that's ever been in pro wrestling. Um, so it was a little crazy to believe that I was even part of that, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it, it told us a lot. I feel like no one has sat down, and maybe it's something I, I'll do. I'll sit down and really look at it and and discuss how it has. Or, or the results that came out of it and the things that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of talking about like storytelling, also interactions with fans, what we learned about wrestling fans and the yeah. kind of things they like, or at least Chikara fans, at least Chikara me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and what kinds of things like, you know, could possibly be utilized on a larger scale, uh, in the future. So I feel like somebody needs to sit down and really analyze that period and, and, and talk about the, what has come out of that. I would really love to see something like that. So maybe I'll write it. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a fun read, I'd say. Um, it's, you know, and the, you know, like you said, the, one of the really interesting things about the shutdown angle was kind of the level of fan interaction, like Jakara, we know is typically, you know, they've, they've been very much about kind of listening to the fans Mm -hmm. and like kind of responding, but the, the shutdown angle kind of led us to some, again, some very interesting fan interactions. And of course this is around the time of uh kind of the introduction of uh Chikara and fifteen and everything mm-hmm. that kinda came out of that. Yep. And you know, I've I've had a couple people like when I when I took over mm-hmm. a couple months ago, I had people kinda asking me like what kinda what started Chikara and fifteen. So it'd mm-hmm. be actually nice to he- kinda hear from you what like w- basically what started Chikara and fifteen. Um, Chikara 15 was sort of the perfect storm of things coming together. Um, at the time, um, you know, I had wanted or I thought about podcasting before. 
Um, and actually my brother, um, my brother Bill had actually been, um, getting into it. And he says to me, you should do it. You know, you have a nice voice for it. You know, with your writing, you should podcast. And I said to him, well, you know, he said, well, you should do wrestling. And I said, well, you know, um, for me to do a podcast, I don't want it to sound like everybody else's. You know, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. What can I do that's different? And I decided that if I was going to do a podcast, it was going to have certain kinds of criteria. Criteria. Okay. So one, excuse me, one, it was going to be different from everything out there. It was going to be unique. Um, two, it was going to serve a purpose. There was going to be a, a point to having it, a point to doing it. It was going to actually do something. Um, you know, and then three, I wanted it to be something that was not going to be too long or too short. Um, that was going to be something that the fans could, um, listen to, but not feel like, oh, really? You're still talking? Um, but was going to engage them, mm -hmm. um, in some way. So I, I really wanted like these sort of things. So I had all these like criteria and I just couldn't come up with an idea. And I, um, now during this time period, uh, we had all been given I am Chikara shirts. Uh, and a fun fact, I still have mine. It's put away. I still have it. And I don't, I think I'll always have it. Um, and then, um, I was wearing it though, legitimately wearing it. So I would go to Ring of Honor and wear it. I would go to CZW and I would wear it. Um, so any of the wrestling that was around me, I would wear the shirts and people would see me and they would ask me, well, you know, they'd come up cause I, I generally look approachable. Um, they would come up and they'd say, well, what's going on with Chikara? You know, I feel like I was wearing a button that says, tell, you know, ask me about Chikara. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, excuse me. So they would come up and ask me. And so I'd be like, oh, well, this is going on. And there's this rally going on and this, that, and a third. And they would ask me if I thought it was really shut down and all kinds of questions. Um, so, you know, people were definitely interested in what was going on, you know, regardless of what they might have felt about, they were interested. People were, were paying attention. So. At some point, I had been driving home, and um, I used to listen to, because I would drive on the highways, I would listen to KYW for the traffic and things. And now, when I was younger, I had also taken um, their news studies program, uh, where they taught you how to write um, news, basically, for radio, um, when I was younger. And so I was listening to it, and they had a, um, a slogan, and they still use it occasionally. I think they've upped it and they've done something different, but uh, they used it. It was, you know, give me, you know, give us, you know, 22 minutes, and we'll give you the world. And so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, people are looking for Chikara news, right? No one's doing anything. There was no media at all. And I don't even think like Kevin Ford was even doing Viva Chikara at the time. There was like nothing. And I thought they want the news. I was like, I don't think there are any news radio wrestling podcasts, um, especially ones that are based on, K on KYW, which is like the oldest news radio station in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I thought to myself, you know, I can take this and I can adapt this and I can do something with this. And then I got inspired by it. And so I took from KYW, you know, give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world, give me 15 minutes and I will give you Chikara. Uh, that's where it came from. I directly took it from there. Uh, I was definitely inspired by KYW. Um, and actually at one point I was even thinking about having like the ticker tape noise that they're known for in the background. Uh, but I decided to ask that because I thought it would be a little distracting. Um, but I was really inspired by that. So I thought, okay, this is what it needs. Chikara doesn't have any media. There is nothing tying everything together. So let me do a show that takes all these questions that I'm getting and puts them out in 15 minutes. Okay, these are the updates. This is social media. This is Facebook. This is this. This is that. This is what's going on. This is what's happening next. And then I also did the features, which gave some background, you know, context for like newer fans and things. Um, so it was basically a sort of substitute for the Chikara media because there wasn't any. 
and it had a distinct thing and it was useful. It had a distinct voice. It was unique. It's different. Um, and, and at that time, I really believed it was necessary and people really needed it. And it was something I could contribute um, positively um, that would really add to, to something I loved and believed in. So that's how it was born. Um, so I bought myself a little headset <laughs> microphone like used for gaming. Uh, and without really knowing how to do it, I just started doing it. Um, I just started recording and I learned as I went along. Um, you know, and doing those things. Um, and, you know, it became fairly popular and I was always really flattered that people listened to it and really liked it and, um, you know, loved it and were fans of it. I was really, really very, very touched. Um, I felt bad because as I got more involved in Chikara, um, I had less and less time to do it. Um, but I did enjoy doing it, you know, whenever I did. Um, and, you know, after I stopped doing it and after I left Chikara, you know, that was, I was done with Chikara. Um, you know, I was really glad and that you had actually contacted me to bring it back. Um, I was really, really flattered. Like, I mean, you know, that's something I made, you know, people wanted to continue and it mattered to somebody. And so to me, it was really like, um, completely kind of flattering and, uh, shocking really, you know, that this mattered. So, uh, I have to thank you for that very, very much. And you're doing a great job uh, carrying that legacy. Thank um, you. you know, but again, it was something I did because it was needed. Yeah. Um, cause I cared about Chikara and I cared about the fans too. And I wanted them to be able to to keep in touch with it um, and feel like they were a part of it and they could follow along easily and, and really, you know, didn't have to didn't have to take them a year and a half to figure out what was going on. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. that someone could do that for them. So um, that was really why it started. It was really like, again, to to help kind of um, tell the story of season 13. Yeah. Uh, keep it all together. Yeah. I definitely agree with you at the time. It was definitely needed because um, I remember like especially for as someone who didn't live in the Philadelphia area or like had a way to get out that way. Mm -hmm. Like there was so very little for me to like really get involved with mm -hmm. that. Like it came down to like listening to the podcast that you did. And then mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Oh, and then like we, you know, again, going back to that bit of, of fan interaction, even interaction between fans mm -hmm. at the time, um, which kind of led to, uh, two things and i it's funny to kind of bring this up now because i i realized i didn't i forgot to bring it up when we talked mm -hmm. on chatting with the army uh mm -hmm. the online rallies that we did mm -hmm. because yep. they had done the, the the rallies at like the art museum mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i remember you and i like mm -hmm. i remember because i remember being the one to bring it up but it was you who ended up actually hosting them mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah. the online rallies on the mm -hmm on our on those google hangouts those were fun mm -hmm. um and then kind of would you say that those kind of led to the chatting with the jacarmi actually actually no no um okay. the chat with jacarmi was uh an idea that was presented to me by someone else okay. um but and i do want to talk about that but i do want to talk about the online rallies and things yeah and um something that was always really important to me uh in relation to Chikara was the jacarmi um and making sure that people felt included um, I was very much believing in the philosophy of wrestling being for everyone. Um, I believe wrestling is for everyone. I think it can be inclusive. Um, so getting the Chikarmi involved was always one of my, my priorities. Um, I was also like that at, at shows. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime we had any, um, you know, members of Chikarmi who were handicapped or anything who were there at the shows, I was always very, very vigilant in making sure they were accommodated. Um, simply because um, having a nephew with special needs um, and understanding how difficult it can be um, to get out and see wrestling. And, you know, and I feel like everyone should be able to enjoy it. So I was always very much make sure that they can enjoy it and they felt comfortable 
um, in that, in that situation, um, and able to enjoy it. It's always something that was very important to me. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think, um, I did a lot of those things or I was really championing those things. Like, for example, championing the online rallies. Cause yeah. I wanted people, regardless of where they were, to feel like they were a part of it. Yeah. Um, just as much as us who were here in Philadelphia felt a part of it. Um, because I believed they were. So I definitely championed those. Um, and they were, they were fun. They were fun. And, and there was never, I don't know if there was ever a time in wrestling history where fans, maybe ECW, but where fans really sort of, um, got to really be like, come really good friends. Um, you know what I mean? And got to be very close and, and got to really know each other in that sort of, out, even outside of wrestling. Cause a lot of stuff was outside of like a wrestling show. You know, yeah. there wasn't no wrestling shows really. I mean, exactly. other than wrestling is fun, you know, the wrestling is companies, but yeah. outside of like, in terms of Chikara, outside of a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of fostered that. And a lot of, hey, we all became friends and, you know, um, it was really great. I saw some people I hadn't seen in a while at National Wrestling Day. Um, you know, and things like that. So it was mm-hmm. really kind of nice. It's like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you forever, you know, like old friends, you know. Um, but I, like I said, I felt that that was really important, um, to foster, um, and that people felt included. Um, so that was really important to me and it still remains important to me. Uh, I think those are things that definitely fan inclusion, I think is very important. Um, so again, I, I did those things cause I, I believed in them and I, I was really thrilled to do them and I was really thrilled how they came out. Uh, and that was the theory behind, um, you know, recording and broadcasting things. Yeah. Um, the FDR rally was my idea to broadcast it. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was not something like that, like Chikara and no one had come to me and no, said, right. like, do this. I was like, hey, I contacted them. I contacted Icarus mm-hmm. on 101. I was like, hey, I have this idea. <laughs> that poor man. <laughs> I have this idea. <laughs> um, you know, I would always be like, I have an idea. Listen, <laughs> um, we could try to do this. Uh, and it wasn't always perfect because again, I was just learning how to do these things myself. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a really great ideas person. Um, but you know, sometimes when it comes to things like that, you know, it's just the follow through. It's not necessarily something I'm, I'm used to doing or whatever. So I'd never done something like that before. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, doing it, I got a little better and more confident with recording, um, as it went on. I think the scavenger hunt <laughs> ended up being sort of <laughs> hilarious, even with the technical difficulties and, and the phone charger issue. And uh, I think it ended up being really cool though. And what was great was I was able to get it back just for the end. Like, so yeah. it ended up really being the timing turned out perfect. Um, so that worked out really well. Um, and I was, so despite the issues, I was actually really proud of how that came out. And I was glad because people could follow along. Um, you know what I mean? More so than if they were just, you know, getting it from Twitter or other places. Um, and I loved how we all kind of came together and we had a meeting before that and the night before. <laughs> to discuss things we had like a planning meeting it was it was really crazy but it was a lot of fun and i think everyone enjoyed that um and it worked out really well because we ended up having people at home who couldn't be there who were sort of like our question people and research people uh so we had like contacts that we could like ask questions of um you know when we were there people were working on clues and things so it was a really cool way to get um and those people would take the information they were getting and go to like 101 and like share what was happening with people. So it was really cool that like those people, even though they weren't there, I remember Rave being really big into it. Um and she was so great during that. Um it was so great to have people who couldn't be there who were involved into you know, really involved um and sharing that. So that was like wonderful to me. Um I really loved that um about it. Um and then we ended up doing um recording, we also ended up doing the um Ashes um red carpet. Yeah. So the ending got a little cut off, but I was really proud with how that turned out. I think I hit almost every like red carpet trope that existed <laughs> somehow. It wasn't planned. It was all improv. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so that was a really amazing experience too, to do, um, as well. And I, I love doing that. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to dress up. 
you know, in the, the vintage sort of look mm-hmm. and uh, do this red carpet, uh, you know, and, and interview people. Um, I think there is a, a, a GIF set of me and Drew Gulak somewhere from that, <laughs> which I feel like will always be like in my heart is one of the awesomest things. Um, that was great. And I remember tormenting Chuck Taylor at some point. Nothing new there, really, but that was fun. Um, and, and so it, it was just a, a great event. And that was really cool to see something like that on a big screen. Um, you know, just absolutely amazing. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I was really proud of how that turned out, too. Um, I think that added something um, fun to it, um, to the event. Um, so that was a lot of fun to do. Um, so, like I said, I enjoyed that period. There was a lot of good creative stuff happening. And it was really exciting you know, yeah. to be a part of some of those things. And so yeah. it was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm real- uh, yeah, I still remember watching the, uh, what was it, the FDR and the, and, the, mm-hmm. and some of the scavenger hunt. Those are definitely a lot. Those are a lot of fun to kind of watch and mm-hmm. get involved with. I remember kind of keeping close eye on the one-on-one forums the day of the scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still remember the fact that like, what was it like a few days before mm-hmm. the kind of news kind of broke out on, uh, one of the dirt sheets, as they like to call it, about the fact that they wrote like, it kind of got out that there would be a scavenger hunt, mm-hmm. and it was and it was kind of a funny reaction from people because some people were like, "What?" Like, I, like I think mo- most most of the people that responded to it were kind of glad that we'd gotten some kind of idea of what to expect. Yeah, you know? it was like because mm-hmm. before then we were like, we have no idea what's going on. Right. It was nice. It made it a little easier for the planning committee. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a little easier. But um, no, it was fun. It was fun to expect that. And it was it was a fun, it was a crazy event. And it was a lot of fun. It was, I thought it was something that was very just um, outside the box innovative. Yeah. Um, which I think, again, is one of the great things that came out of that period was there was a lot of out of the box thinking um, in terms of professional wrestling and what wrestling could include. I mean, essentially, Icarus was giving promos. That's what the rallies were, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they were kind of like promos. Uh, with also this fan inclusion, and, and there was some mystery and, and things like that. So um, that was it was very, very, like I said, very innovative, outside-the-box kind of thinking um, that I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like you said, talking with the, you know, talking with the fans and kind of getting that sense of uh, kind of where everyone's coming from. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do want to go ahead and touch then on uh, chatting with the Chikarmi. Okay. Kind of the origins of that. Okay. Um, the idea was actually brought to me by someone who was on the show. Uh, I interviewed Todd Herschel uh, from Phil Singer Games, and um, I think he's like tournament on 101, maybe still. Um, oh yeah, he's a yeah he's tournament master on on the 101 forum. There okay. that now because because I, oh. I think that's his handle. Uh, I think that's actually his handle on the um, Filzinger mm-hmm. forums as well. So mm-hmm. that's where the connection comes from there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, he had brought me, brought the suggestion to me. Uh, and I, I thought it was a really good one. Um, but I couldn't quite make it work then. Um, and actually, I think about the time that it come up, it was about the time that I had broken my wrist. Mm. Uh, and the damage to my wrist was, was so extensive and I was doing so much. It was, I couldn't do it. It was just too much. Um, but later on, a few months later, once things were a little better, I was able to implement it. And I will say, I think I've done many things in Chikara that I'm very proud of. And by far, chatting with Chikarmi was probably the most, was probably the thing I was proudest of. Um, because I felt like what we were doing with that and what I wanted to do with that, I get a little emotional about it. Um, was that, um, 
I wanted the fans to feel like they mattered because mm-hmm. I think they do. I wanted them to have a voice still, even though season 13 was over and the fan interaction in that sort of um, very um, close sort of close up sense, you know, uh, wasn't necessary or wasn't part of the, what was going on. I wanted them to still feel like they had a voice and they still mattered and they still part of Chikara very much because they are. And I wanted it to be for people who can go. And I interviewed people who go to shows and are in the area, but I also interviewed people who weren't there because I wanted those people to feel involved and feel like their voices mattered. And, you know, you didn't have to be at a show to feel like, you know, you were part of Chikara. Um, and like I said, it was probably the thing maybe I'm most proud of um, because I think um, it was just very different. You don't see wrestling companies doing that, which I think is sad. Um, I think chatting with Chikara is something that definitely needs to exist in Chikara. Um, and I'm very glad to see that's coming back as well. Um, I just feel like, you know, again, wrestling companies aren't, indie wrestling companies aren't doing this. They're not going to their fans and they're not, you know, hey, saying, hey, let's talk about Chikara. Let's, let's do this. And let's, here's a voice, you know, um, and here you have a voice and this matters and you matter. And that's, I think that's really, uh, amazing to me. So I like, very proud of it. Yeah. Um, so kind of, I guess, kind of moving on from that. So mm-hmm. you, you mentioned before that, like, at the time that you'd started Chikara in 15 and all that, that you hadn't really been a part of Chikara. Do you want to talk at all about, uh, kind of your time being with Chikara beyond the podcast or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was not part of Chikara, um, during that time. So a lot of people thought I was, was not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a fast straight right there. It just happens that I had really, really good sense of timing, right place, right time kind of thing. And I think too, um, I really believed in Chikara. So I know like some of my writing had inspired people and things like that. Um, and, and I meant everything I said because I believe in it. Uh, I believed in it. Um, so after the FDR rally, which I had recorded, I found that afterwards I could not stop thinking about it and I could not stop thinking about there was this sort of sense of like rightness or like joy, happiness. I don't know. Uh, in being involved in a small way. Uh, and I just took such, I was just like, this is amazing. You know, it was just absolutely incredible. I couldn't, it's really hard to explain how that feels, uh, to be a part of it. And, um, it was just like, I just like, I want to do this. <laughs> I want to do this, you know, and it was just like, wait. And and for the first time, I'd always kind of wanted to be part of wrestling. Like my high school yearbook, it literally says my my goal, my life goal is to be a wrestling commentator. Mm. That's what it says in my high school yearbook. And uh, when I originally went to college, I went for radio, television and film. And I the goal being that I was actually going to go into radio, which is probably why Chicago 15 worked out so well. Um, but in the podcasting thing. Uh, but, um, my real thought was I was going to get the training and become a, a commentator and that I could fall back on radio, uh, if it didn't work out. And I'll tell you, I didn't get a lot of support then at the time. And, you know, I had things going on and I didn't believe I could do it. So I kind of thought it was one of those impossible dreams that I would kind of put to the side, um, you know, and just get on with the business of living. And, you know, I was, I was married and everything and my ex-husband did not like wrestling. Um, and so I didn't watch for a while and then I got back into it and became a fan. And then, like I said, it just, the point of doing the, the recording FDR was not to become involved in Chikara. I actually wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, 
But like I said, when it happened, you know, I just felt like, oh my God, I need to do this. And I thought, oh my God, for the first time, I thought, wait, I can do this. Um, and that's a pretty amazing thing to feel. Um, so then, uh, I had talked to some people. Um, so I, I asked what their advice was and whatnot. And then I would say on November 7th, I emailed Quack and I told him that I wanted to, to be a part of Chikara and I wanted to join out as part of Russell Factory. Uh, and I wanted to be involved. Um, and I asked him if I could. Uh, and then he said yes. And I didn't start right away anyway. Um, but I had started helping him and things like that, but I wasn't involved in anything with season 13. Um, but the next year I started getting more and more involved. So that was pretty much it. So I consider like the 7th, 11th, uh, November 7th, just sort of be my wrestling anniversary, um, every year. Um, cause it was like the thing that changed everything, uh, for me. So that's kind of how I got involved. It was just getting that, that bite. And like I said, I, the, the absolute, you know, talking about what Quack had said in that WWE.com interview mm-hmm. about the, the net, product of wrestling should is joy i'm paraphrasing it's not exactly what he said but that was the the net the net product of it is joy uh that was joyful for me to be involved and i've always taken great joy in being involved As a matter of fact i take more joy in being involved and helping make wrestling happen than i do especially chikara than i do watching it <laughs> somehow along the way uh, something changed for me uh and so, so I, I found more enjoyment you know in doing that um so it's very hard for me to to watch um, you know, what I want to be doing, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but, um, yeah, so that, that's how I got involved with it. it was... We could talk more about Chikara if you have other questions about things. I mean, my time there, it was some of the craziest times of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could write a whole bunch of stories. Uh, I got to be around some really amazing people. I think, uh, professional wrestling tends to, by nature, I guess, uh, draw some really unique and talented and amazing people. Um, and, uh, I had the pleasure and really privilege of being around a lot of those people. Um, and, uh, it was just amazing to me. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, I mean, I talk a lot and I joke around a lot, mm-hmm. but I listen and I pay attention more. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of surprised a few people, but I watched people too. So like, I would always watch Quack to see what he was doing. And I would always try to reverse engineer it. Like, okay, why is he doing this? And what does this do? And what will this happen? And what will do this? So I was always like trying to reverse engineering anything Quack was doing. Um, because I always, I was always in awe of him, actually. Um, I honestly wanted to be like him, to be really honest. Uh, he's really, uh, a master storyteller. And, um, you know, I just love that. And I think, um, really amazing person. And I just kind of wanted to be like him. <laughs> and, you know, um, and I believe, and I agree with a lot of his philosophies about professional wrestling. Um, and I really uh, agree with him and I believe in those things myself. Um, so like I said, I was always watching Quack in particular. I would watch a lot of, um, just different people, um, you know, people I was around. Um, and like I said, I learned so much. Um, I got to drive with a lot of the guys, which was awesome. Um, so it was great. Like, and there are just certain people I absolutely adored. Uh, Simbodi Kanzarni, absolutely adored. Mm. He's a very interesting person. <laughs> um, and he's very, very, very cool. He's one of these people who always ask, and what I learned from him is the importance of asking questions. Yeah. He always asks a lot of questions. Uh, and he's very interested in people. And it was the coolest thing. And I learned a lot from him. He has a lot to share. He's a very cool person. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, Archibald Peck was another favorite person of mine. Um, I had, um, brief interactions with him but i always learned like so much because he's completely brilliant he was completely brilliant um when he was with us completely brilliant um i I did get to ride in a car with delirious once that was amazing um that was absolutely amazing 
Delirious is, is an absolutely incredible person. Um, so that was really cool. Um, so I, I, like I said, I got to be around these people who are just amazing minds for wrestling and, and, you know, got to, to sit and talk to them and, uh, and ask questions occasionally and, and get things answered. And so it was an amazing experience. Um, I liked doing that. Uh, I went to Canada for the first time. Mm. <laughs> that was an experience. Um, uh, that was pretty cool, actually. There were a lot of fun little moments from that, uh, that weekend. Um, you know, so that, the traveling was actually one of my favorite things. I actually liked doing the traveling. Uh, I never liked car rides before, <laughs> uh, <laughs> car, but I actually really liked doing that, like doing the driving. Um, you know, um, I got to do a lot of different creative things, uh, writing wise, um, which was amazing, which was great. Um, I really liked the production aspect, learning about the production aspect of wrestling, uh, and the event planning. Um, I really liked that. So that was really cool because I was really involved in that. Um, and I really liked that kind of thing. Um, and it was really interesting to, to watch like training sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and learn that way and learn about the, the whys and the technical parts of wrestling, uh, about why things are done and, and, you know, the, the thought and the logic that goes behind it. Really interesting stuff. Um, so like I said, my time in Chikara was absolutely amazing. Um, I, it, I got pushed to the limits of what I could do. I did so much more than I thought I was even capable of doing. Um, I learned way lots about myself, the good parts and the really bad parts, mm. <laughs> uh, which I think is really important. I think that you need to know both of those, understand those, understand what your strengths are and your weaknesses are. Um, you know, I know what it's like to fail. I know what it's like to succeed. Um, you know, and, and I felt like I actually lived a life, you know, I wasn't just, you know, wishing it would happen. I was doing it. Um, you know what I mean? And it's scary. It's a really scary thing. Um, but it was completely worth it. Um, and I don't regret it at all. And I would do it again, mm. you know, despite yeah. everything that's happened and, and whatnot. Cause it was a very, I went through, especially near the end, I was doing through a very difficult time. I mean, my wrist, um, I, I did more than just break it. Cause originally when it, I had, when I heard it, um, was in an incident doing ring crew. Uh, I, I tripped and fell. It was stupid, mm. but, uh, you know, I should look behind me. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. So basically what happened was I was in, in the truck and, um, I was, um, carrying the, the side beams for the ring, which are, are heavy, but I could lift them. And, um, in Shakar's ring, there's actually a middle part that stabilizes it that comes out. And we'd already put some of them in the truck. And I thought I had more room behind me. I didn't. Um, it was dark and I thought I had more room and I didn't. So I, I tripped. And so actually the side beam of the ring fell on my wrist and crushed it. Mm. Uh, I also fell on my legs too. And I was, I was really bruised up. Thankfully I did not break my legs or anything. Uh, I shouldn't laugh because it was actually horrible. It was very, very painful. And I knew something was wrong. I think the first thing I said was, I think I broke my wrist. Um, and what I had working in the business, man, I know. Well, you know, uh, again, it was my own stupid thought. I should have looked backwards. It was definitely my own, my own stupidity there. Um, but, uh, what happened was I ended up breaking it, shattering the joint. And then I actually tore the cartilage all at once. Uh, and, um, so that was really, really rough. Um, uh, and actually, I didn't even know about all those injuries at the time. The cartilage was something we found when I went into surgery because I had a surgery on it. Mm. Um, you know, and actually, when I originally did it, they only knew about the break. And then later on, I went to another, I had a really terrible orthopedic, went to another orthopedic a few months later, and I found out that I had, in fact, crushed, you know, had shattered it. Mm. Um, and then the joint. So I actually, my, my wrist joint is kind of not really <laughs> there. Um and then um when they did surgery that's when they found the, the cartilage tear yeah uh, they had to, to clear that all out and um so a lot of people saw me with my my sling or my my arm cast or whatever 
uh, from that. But um, so that that was rough, though, because it was really, really painful, especially dealing with injuries that I didn't know I had. So I was trying to do rehab on it mm-hmm. and it was incredibly painful and it wasn't getting better. So um, I wouldn't say I was um, I wouldn't say I was abusing painkillers, but I was using them more than I was comfortable with. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way uh, to get through things. And I was taking a lot more stuff and I was having problems with my job and and such and you know just a lot of stresses money-wise and things like that so i started to kind of spiral a little bit um and become very overwhelmed uh so it was not i was definitely not myself at all during that period uh and it was very difficult so like you know um so it kind of spiraled and at one point i felt like the world was bottoming out on me um you know um and it was just a really rough time um i couldn't begin to tell you how desperate and and how terrible i felt with all these things on me i'm really good at hiding stuff generally um from people uh so a lot of people did not know um fact, there's like one person that i that i remember asking me if i was okay and i knew he knew i wasn't all right like there was things going on i was not okay only one person who did that um but um anyway so um that was really hard and then you know being being let go from chikara i was actually let go uh was just like completely heartbreaking um and kind of added to that so i was not in a very good place for a long time um you know so i kind of but i but i I muddled through i think Mm -hmm. that was it and i you know i don't think i was the best person um i really got to see some of like the the darker sides of myself but like i said i mean you know you kind of have to come to accept that and be able to say okay well this is not who i was this person i was not proud of that i didn't like being that person this is who i want to be yeah And, and i think that only when you really go through something like that and you really see the darker side of yourself um, you know, and go through those kind of things that you really can understand that. Um, and then really understand, you know, how to kind of bridge the gap between your ideal person who you want to be, you know, and where you're at and who you are and what your strengths are and weaknesses are. It was actually as heartbreaking as it was, uh, and difficult. And even at times, like, you know, it gets me a little bit. Um, it was probably maybe the best thing that ever happened to me because of what it taught me. You know, um, there were so many lessons in it and I could probably write a book about all the lessons I learned mm-hmm. from that experience. Um, but I learned that, you know, I'd always thought I would always be in Chikara. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to lose that and not be in Chikara, something I, and Chikara was part of my identity. To lose that, you know, I really had to stop and think, who am I? What do I really love? You know, what matters to me? You know, where do I want to go from here? Um, and what's next. And I did think about leaving wrestling actually, uh, for a time. I really did. I mean, I continued to go to shows. I continued to muddle through, but I really did think about leaving wrestling. Um, and then I decided that I really did love doing it too much and that I really did take such joy in, in being a part of it. And I felt that there was more I could give, mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of wrestling. And I knew that I could do things and I could be useful to companies that need my skills. Um, you know, so, um, I just continued doing it and I'm really glad I muddled through and didn't give up. Um, and now that I've kind of come out of the other side, I mean, I had my surgery, I've healed up, um, you know, to the point where the doctor was actually really impressed. Cause at one point they talked about fusing it cause it was mm-hmm. so bad. And eventually I might need that down the, down the line, but for right now I don't need that. Um, but to get out of that. And then finally, once I healed from that, you know, um, and, um, you know, the doctor even said that it's so good that there's a good chance I can go back to training. Uh, I wanted yeah. to be a referee. Uh, so that's still a goal of mine. So I'm hoping, uh, beginning of next year, I'll be like, 
I would do that. Um, you know, um, and we'd be testing it out and we'd be taking IQ classes and testing it out. Um, and then my job situation, um, finally turned around and I finally got hired at the job that I'd been waiting for. And so, you know, got me really great insurance and, uh, really great benefits and, and do really great there. Um, so that turned around. So a lot of the stressors I had had, uh, that were going on had actually turned around. Um, and like I said, I mean, um, you know, sometimes it feels really hopeless and you want to give up. And I tell him no one, I, I don't want to sound like John Cena because <laughs> I feel like I am a little bit, uh, but don't give up because yeah. it can change. If it can go bad, it can get better and it will get better. You just have to kind of hang on. Um, and I'm really glad I did because now things are looking up and they are changing for the better. And I'm in a much better place. Um, you know, and a much better, I think, person. And I think I'm able to be more empathetic and sympathetic to people who are going through things. Mm-hmm. I'm able to give better counsel and better be able to be a, a better friend. I'm able to help people. Uh, and like I said, I have a, a really great sort of um, outlook on um, things like that. So it was, uh, again, like it was a horrible experience, but I'm kind of glad it happened mm-hmm. uh, just because of what I've learned about myself and being in a better place now uh, and, and really, um, you know, going back on track. Um, yeah. So, which is really great. So, like I said, I, nobody should ever give up because that's just me. I wanted to. I meant that really seriously. It's how bad it was, but like I said, I'm glad I didn't. So, yeah, and, I, and I'm 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 glad you didn't give up either. To be honest, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I because I, I I do remember like it, it was a weird transition like for some for for those of us that were hanging out on the one on one forums and stuff because like like one minute you were there and the next minute you weren't. Like yeah, it was just, just um, disappeared. You disappeared like from the internet, as it were. <laughs> kind of went yeah. off the radar a little bit. Um, sure. but I do to kind of wrap things up a little bit. Uh, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because uh, I've I've seen since you since you came back on the radar, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been involved with quite a quite a few things in wrestling, including mm-hmm. Excellence Pro. And yeah. so I just I kind of want to take the last little bit of this time to kind of. Go over what you're doing now in wrestling, uh, uh-huh. both excellence, pro, excellence pro, and 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 etc. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, okay, great, thank you. And I want to say, if I scared anybody by disappearing, and I'm, I'm so sorry, it really was something I needed to do. Uh, so I'm really sorry if I did. You know, I really apologize for that. Um, I'm definitely not my my intention was to hurt anybody or anything like that. Um, but uh, and I think too it was necessary for me to make a break. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, what I'm doing now is, um, I am at Excellence Pro. Uh, I am, uh, the, uh, executive assistant to the administrator of Excellence, Edgar Excellence. Uh, so basically taking transcription for blogs, uh, and assisting him, uh, in any way that I can. And, uh, and we'll, mm-hmm, and I'll just, be expanding um, that too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Just, just so people understand, Edgar mm-hmm. Excellence is the head cat of Excellence. Thank you. Literally. Um, so I want, I, I cut like, I'm, I was sorry to interrupt, but I was just thinking about that. It's like, I don't know too many people in wrestling that work with, uh, with, that work with cats. Um, yeah. so I feel like, like I, I have to ask the obvious question here. Okay. Um, do you think we will see Teddy Hart in Excellence Pro or has he been? In uh, talks. Uh, I don't know if he's in talks. I have not heard that he's in talks. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe if he brings his cat, maybe we can, we can work that in. Uh, they may, he may have been, you know, Edgar may be in contact with Teddy Hart's cat. Mm-hmm. There may be discussions between the two of them, uh, that we're not aware of. I would not be surprised. Um, Teddy Hart is, 
for all his faults, an excellent professional wrestler. Uh, he's very, very talented. Uh, so, but maybe between the two casts, there may have been some discussion there. Shady dealings and catnip. <laughs> there I'm might be some catnip involved. That. Yes, there may have been some catnip. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so go ahead. So, so uh, you do blogs and. I, I transcribe the blogs for mm-hmm, Edgar, mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be doing more and more. Uh, right now, I run the merch uh, because I also act as bookkeeper. Uh, and so um, I do many things as an executive assistant, of course. Uh, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades in that kind of job. Uh, and you'll probably be seeing more of me uh, as my role expands uh, and as I take out more duties, uh, you know, as per my job description. Uh, so you'll definitely be seeing more of me. Um, but I'll be there every month, uh, and I will be there at our next show which is coming up on March 12th. It's called Kittens Mittens. Uh, and it's going to be our 2016 uh, debut show. Uh, our January show, uh, Let the Cat Out of the Bag, was unfortunately canceled. Mm. Uh, we had to tap out to the snowstorm. Um, and then we did put in, um, we did have a match, and uh, Ken Broadway was in uh, the Unlines Cup, a National Pro Wrestling Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't like an official excellent show. Um, yeah despite uh, how wonderful that was. And it was a great experience. Um, and it was really wonderful. And I'm really glad that we all got to be involved in that. And I know Edgar was very, very thankful that we got to be involved in in that. Um, National Pro Wrestling Day is a great event. I really love the charity aspect of it. Um, and I know they raised more than their goal, which was awesome. Uh, and uh, again, the excellence um, match was amazing. Uh, and it went over really well. Um, so we were really proud of everyone who was in that match. Uh, and Ken Broadway did quite well for himself in the uh, Young Lions Cup. Uh, so it was really great. Um, but so we'll be glad though, to be back at our home, uh, which is the forest lodge in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Uh, it'll be, um, again, Saturday night. Uh, right now our main event is going to be one night only, which is Mark Quinn and Anthony Gangone against the Batiri. Uh, this is kind of a rematch from our last show of 2015, which was 20% gratuity. Uh, they had an amazing 20 plus minute match. Um, maybe the best match of the year for both those teams. Um, so we're very much looking forward to to the rematch. So we're looking forward to seeing if if the Bateri can maybe they'll be the ones to stop uh, the undefeated and unstoppable uh, one night only. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And also in another tie team match, uh, Smiley, the friendly neighborhood psychopath, uh, will be taking on Nick, the silent assassin, uh, who will be with his manager Ariel Nix, uh, and they're going to be taking on um, the duo of Danger Jameson. And Rembrandt Lewis. Uh, and lately, Danger and Rembrandt have been uh, looking to Icarus as sort of a mentor uh, for advice. Uh, so I don't know if anything they've learned from Icarus will help them uh, in this match uh, against uh, Smiley and Nick, who have actually, um, they're not regular tag team partners, but they have teamed up before in the past, uh, once or twice. Uh, so we'll see. Um, and I know there's going to be more in store. Um, I'm working on a top secret project. And also I know that Dan Champion will be there. Orange Cassidy will be back. Uh, it's been a little bit while since he's visited us. Um, I'm sure Grant Akuma will be there. Um, I'm sure Icarus and, and, and Hallowicked and Blind Rage uh, will be there. Um, so Havoc, um, you know, so uh, absolutely going to be um, a really stacked card when it's all finally revealed. And I'm sure uh, Edgar's got more surprises for all of us in store. Uh, so we're literally looking forward to returning uh, coming up in March. That's awesome. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it is there always fun shows um so you know we'll see and i know argus and actually and the boar will also be there too so mm. can't forget those guys there i think the boar might be up if i for if i forget <laughs> him <laughs> i don't want to do that and we and we are going to have ladies action too so i know um karen q was supposed to make her debut um in january she's gonna be making that in march uh also vanity will be back a vanity you may have seen she was uh hanging out with the new and improved chuck taylor mm. 
Gotta love him. Uh, I do love the new improved Chuck Taylor. Very, very high on that. Um, and then also to um, Gianno Perazzo, who uh, has been seen on NXT, is making a lot of appearances on NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will also mm-hmm. be back. She's our Lady Excellence, and she will be back in action. So uh, we're gonna have. It's gonna be a great card. This is all said and done. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to that. Um, so we have that going on. Uh, and also, too, I know that there is a uh, blog. I got sent a uh, transcription, some blog to transcribe for Edgar. So that'll be appearing soon, sometime this week. Uh, and you can get more information and see the blogs and get more information on excellence at www.excellenceprofessionalwrestling.com. Uh, so that's more on excellence. Um, I've also been um, helping out uh, going kind of uh, excellence is in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, but going up north, North Jersey. Um, I have been doing some things up in North Jersey. Um, my friend Dan, uh, friends Dan and Heather, they own a store uh, in English Town at the market there uh, called Funkenstein uh, Wrestling Superstore. Um, and they've just expanded, and it's really beautiful. Um, it's really, really great. Uh, they have a website, and I actually write wrestling bios for them, which has been very cool uh, because I've gotten to learn and read more about wrestlers that I wasn't maybe so familiar with, um, and that's been really a wonderful thing. Um, so I've been helping them out and actually, um, they're going to be at the big event. Uh, it's the 10th one, I think in, uh, Queens and the big event is eventually like a, a big wrestling convention and there's tons of wrestlers that are signing things, um, you know, and different things going on. And I actually went to like the third one, uh, John Morrison was there mm. uh, and it was really kind of surreal. Um, uh, it was weird. I remember, um, cause I really wanted John Morrison at one point to go to Shikara. And so I was really pushing for this. And I remember trying to convince him to come to Chikara. And then Marty Jannetty was there. And so I actually had like gotten Marty Jannetty to help us try to convince John Morrison to go to Chikara. Uh, and uh, I do remember that there was a thing on, on uh, Twitter. I'm like, I was telling Morrison, I'm like, you need to talk to this guy, Mike Quackenbush. You need to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sadly, John Morrison never made it to uh, Chikara, despite my best efforts. And Marty uh-huh. Jannetty's best efforts uh, did not make it. Uh, but I did make the Lucha Underground, so he did he make made it. Made it to the uh, big brother, <laughs> to the temple. He made to it to the, the uh, temple. The, the bigger, more mature brother of Jakara, as some have called it. The the I've the, heard like yes. a couple of people call it that. So, yeah. Oh really? Well, that's interesting. I guess I guess in some respects it is. Um, but uh, so the big event's gonna be a great event, and uh, my friends are gonna have a, a table, uh, along with Damage uh, three sixty five radio. Uh, they're partnering together, uh, and they're gonna have a bunch of stars there. Um, they're gonna have Amber O'Neill is gonna be there. It's gonna be really cool. Uh, and they're gonna have Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's gonna be really exciting. Uh, and they'll have a few and, other guests. And the cast, I imagine. And the cast, and there will be cowboy hats involved. I'm absolutely <laughs> sure. Uh, but it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm gonna be there helping them out. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then that night, um, another company I've been, um, really, really, um, thrilled to start helping out with. And, and they're allowing me to help out. So to me, it's very flattering is, uh, UWA Elite, which runs in South River, New Jersey. Uh, so Northern Jersey. Um, they're going to have their show, which is called, uh, Dangerous Uprisings. Um, so they'll be their March show. Uh, Cowboy Bob will be there, uh, as well. Um, they're going to have, uh, there's going to be some title matches. There's, uh, going to be handicap matches. They, they have a great card. Um, so I definitely think, uh, people should definitely check that out. Um, uh, you know, so the GWA Elite show is going to be on March 5th. That's going to be the same day as the big event. So we'll be there at the big event, and then we'll be uh, in South River that night. Um, so that'll be really amazing. Um, UWA has been around, uh, Elite has been around for about 15 years now. Um, and um, they have a really great roster as well. Um, one person I like in particular, I like, I like Arcadia a lot. He's a really great wrestler. Um, 
And, and so he's somebody I really like to watch, um, but really tremendous. Um, and what's really cool is they have a trios title, which I think is so cool. Um, I really like that. Um, and that's a really neat thing. Uh, I kind of wish uh, we could see that in some more places. Uh, I like the idea of a trios title. Um, but they're doing really great things. They've been around for about 15 years. Um, so they were really cool, like kind of established, um, like roster and, 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 you know, history. Uh, it's really amazing. So like I said, I'm really honored to be even helping out with that. Um, it's really great. So that show is going to be really great too. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if anyone's in North Jersey, definitely come to that and check it out. Um, the crowd's good. They're really great and fun and really, um, their crowds are very excited. They're really into it. Um, I can see a lot of similarities between like the excellence fans. Um, the Chikara fans and, and the UWA elite fans in terms of their enthusiasm and excitement. And it's really great uh, to see. So, and you can get more information on uh, UWA elite uh, at uh, www.uwaelite.webs.com. That's their website. Um, so I definitely recommend you checking that out if you get a chance to. Uh, and coming to the big event in, in Queens, like I said, the one that I went to as a fan was a lot of fun. So I'm expecting this to be a lot of fun too. Uh, that and definitely, definitely come and see us at Excellence. Uh, in Sellersville. That's going to be uh, amazing. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody uh, at these shows and, you know, and being around and hopefully doing more things in wrestling. Um, I'm going to, I'm starting hopefully to start writing more about wrestling. Um, it's something that has always been, my writing has always been something really important to me that I really enjoy doing. Um, and I have been writing some things. Um, I started a new sort of monthly feature sort of column, I guess, uh, called meditations on wrestling. And it's like part, um, autobiography, part biography, uh, part, uh, discussion on wrestling, um, just part sort of a little bit of history too, um, where I talk about, uh, a various sort of, um, keyword or things from my life and how they relate to wrestling. Uh, and the very first one was comfort. And I talked about how losing job, you know, how wrestling kind of, even as a kid, when I was going through things kind of gives me the same comfort like today when I'm going through things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use WrestleMania uh, uh, 9 as an example. Mm, yeah. um, you know, I like WrestleMania 9. Doing the clown going underneath the ring is, is still something that just absolutely fascinates me. Um, I've been under the ring many times and it still fascinates me. Uh, just being underneath the ring. I don't know why. Um, but uh, so I talked about that. Um, and then I talked about disappointment, which I related to the King of the Ring 1995. Mm. And uh, if you saw it or you were there, you know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> and I talk about expectations and how I remember going into that, being very excited, thinking Shawn Michaels was going to win, and he didn't make it out first round, and and how disappointing that was, and how I feel like that was the beginning of the end for that pay-per-view. <laughs> it just got like worse and worse and worse. You're like, oh, no, no, just not feeling this. Um, not into this anymore. And I talk about like my failed marriage, because I was married, uh, and my divorce and how that worked out. So I have not decided what I'm going to write next. Um, but, uh, maybe something love themed, maybe I should do a, a, a sequel to, uh, wrestling love and Chikara. I think that'd be very interesting to write, uh, kind of talking about now on the other side, um, you know, uh, seeing how that'd be different, you know, kind of maybe revisiting that. Uh, I haven't decided. So I don't know if I'm going to write about love, heartbreak. I don't know what yet, but, uh, for this month, I haven't quite decided, but, um, you know, uh, but I think I'll probably write about new love maybe. Hmm. Because there are some things that I have discovered through uh, doing various things that I, I really uh, enjoy. I'm really kind of interested and I've really been watching um, FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling mm-hmm. from Japan. Yes, it is the deathmatch. It is the deathmatch <laughs> wrestling company. I know everyone's like, yeah. Uh, I, I, but they did a lot of, uh, Trishia Onita, who, who ran it, um, and I believe still runs it because he runs the uh, 2015 uh, version that just, they just came back last year. Um, really inventive stuff. 
um, you know, and his passion and, and knowing his fans and giving his fans what they want. And, and really the innovation was really amazing. Um, FMW. And then when they stopped kind of, or maybe had less of a, a focus on the death matches, um, they had guys like Hayabusa, who was just amazing. Absolutely. Just simply amazing. Um, you know, Masato Tanaka, Mike Awesome was a big part of it. Um, you know, and they had really great matches, uh, and people were just doing amazing things and, and still really inventive, um, and really interesting. Um, and they had all kinds of factions and all kinds of warfare. And it was very interesting. When you read the history, it's like a, you're reading, going, Oh my God, this is wow. This is amazing. Um, you know, so I've kind of gotten into watching it and the women that were there were tremendous. I mean, uh, Megumi Kudo is like amazing. Uh, she would do like these like hardcore, I mean, just like the guys would deathmatch type stuff, but she could wrestle uh, really well. And it was just a really incredible, really incredible women's wrestling. Uh, so I've kind of gotten into watching that a little bit and kind of been like, wow, you know, kind of like opening my eyes up to something different and new, kind of a new inspiration. So, you know, I'm kind of really enjoying that. But um, so I'm going to hopefully be writing more. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how much like feature pieces like I was doing about Chikara and stuff I'll be writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything in mind right now for that. Um, cause you know, I do have other projects that I'm working on, uh, in terms of, of writing and things like, I want to start getting some of my writings I wrote about, um, I've written about chronic illness before cause I have some stomach illnesses. So I've written about that. So I hope to get some of those writings on the website. Uh, and also to, um, my plus size pretty, uh, project. Mm. I hope to, to work on that, um, and get more of that out there. You've got maybe some of you guys follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You've seen uh, some of those posts. Um, but I want to write more about that. Uh, and what that's about and, and why I'm doing that and, and why that matters and why it's important and things like that. Uh, so I'm hoping to expand that as well. Um, so I, I'm doing a lot of different creative things, which is really, really exciting. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we'll go ahead and put a little, uh, rivet on this president of the mm-hmm. conversation. Um, where can people find you online? Like where can they follow you on social media? Where can they find your, uh, writing? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm still on social media. Uh, I am on, we're talking about, uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I am PS pretty, which, you know, is plus size pretty. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, and then I'm on Twitter. Uh, I was Babs Chikara, but I am now, uh, Bab, Babs Indie. Um, and you can find me under Babs Indie on Facebook as well. Uh, so there's some faces you can find me. Uh, now my writings, um, I've been really working on getting some of those up. Um, and I'll do blog about general kind of things that come to my mind through my own life, um, kind of lighter blogs, uh, as well. But you can find all of those, including my Chikara and my wrestling stuff. That's all there on, um, www.writingfem and fem is spelled F-E-M-M-E dot com. Uh, so all of my writings are there for people to check out. So, uh, the rest, uh, meditations on wrestling is, are there, um, everything. So, um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks again for, for coming on and chatting with me. This has been a lot of fun. No, thank you. This is, it was, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it was very nice to be on the other side, uh, <laughs> though a little different. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, I, I wasn't too boring and I didn't ramble on too much. Um, and I said some things that people found were interesting or, or kind of maybe put questions about. Um, you know, and I do want to thank you, Alex, for not only having me on here, but also to taking up the mantle of, um, you know, uh, Chikar and 15 and chat with the Chikarmi. I think they're really important things. I think, um, the new energy and kind of creativity you're putting into them and, and the effort and the work, uh, is really uh, amazing and it's really appreciated and has not gone unnoticed. Uh, and so I, I do appreciate it very much. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks again to Babs for chatting with me this week. Be sure to check out her writing at writingfem.com 
and check out Excellence Pro and UWA Elite. That's it for this first edition of the Occupy Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to everyone that supported the website over the last few years, and thank you for listening. I'm hoping to have this up on iTunes and Stitcher very soon, so when that time comes, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and review while you're at it. Every little bit of feedback helps. Big thanks also to the Mystery Men for letting me use some of their tunes for the opening and closing of this show. Until next time, 10 presenters, this is Alex Smiley reminding you to let wrestling put a smile on your face. (laughs) 